Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. Happy New Year. Happy New Year! It's 2016. Oh my god! We've moved into the future. Wow. There's robots and everything. And flying cars? Yeah. Yeah. And Iron Man? Iron Man's here. Yeah. Tony Stark is here to save the day. Yeah. Finally. It took him far too long. Jeez. I know. He's such a jerk, that Tony Stark. Ugh. Every week on our show, we turn to Netflix to watch a romantic comedy, and we also watch them in chronological order, so we've started all the way back in 1918. It was such a long time ago. It feels like months, because it has been months. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like months, because it has been time. (laughs) So we're doing this because it's fun, and we are gaining a lot of insight and context to the romantic comedy genre because it is the redheaded stepchild of genres in the film industry. Seriously, I think we could like teach a course after doing this podcast. We probably could. <laughs> we could design a full romantic comedy like appreciation course at film school. Contact us. Pay us money. <laughs> We've done the research. Lots of research. So what are we watching today, Justine? Oh boy, we're watching 1963's Charade. Charade! Mm-hmm. That's how it has to be said. It even says that in our notes. Oh, it's not charade? No. Charade. Charade. I see that now. That's what that accent is. Yes. It's exactly what that means. That accent aigu. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Cary Grant stars as Peter, who may or may not be a flimflam man who aids a widow in her mission to recover a fortune hidden by her late husband. Dun dun dun! That sounds so good! But my question is, what is a flim flam man? It's someone who like, it's like con man, but not like a con man, con man, I don't it's like a flim flam. Here's a thing, it's not a real thing, but I'm selling it to you anyway. So a con man. Yeah! Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Flim Flam's much more fancier way to say it. Damn, those 60s. Okay, so this stars Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn, and Walter Matthau. And since we love Cary Grant so much, I just wanted to have a moment. A little, like, in memoriam. Do we need, like, shiny music or something over uh, this? Yeah. It's our last film with him. He made two more films, and then he retired in 1966. To be a daddy. So he can, like, put on weight and stop dyeing his hair. He's like, I'm done. (laughs) Well, that, and to also be a daddy. Yeah. He had a daughter. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm too old for this. Yes. Pretty much. Leave me alone. (laughs) Though, he wasn't, he was still very active. He was an active member of various different studio boards and um, production company, like, um, used him as a consultant and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's still active. But with him being like pigeonholed to these romantic comedy roles, I kn- he, he, was he was clearly uncomfortable. I mean, like, okay, no more. Well, Stop it. especially <laughs> when they, when they, you know, wanted to pair him with these young, mm-hmm. he did not like that. Like that was stressed in everything I read about him yeah. was he did not like it. Yeah. This film was directed by Stanley Donan who we have watched previously doing um, On the Town and Kiss Them for Me. Hopefully this is better than the Kiss last Them one. for yeah. Me. 
Let's see. Okay, it's an hour and 53 minutes, and it's rated five stars on Netflix. Netflix! So, in the 1964 Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Music Song. I think this song's Charade. Charade. That one. Charade. <laughs> that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was nominated. In 1964, Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Actress and Best Actor. And in the 1965 BAFTAs, it was nominated for Best Actor and winner for Best Actress. Because Audrey Hepburn. Time Magazine named this one of its 100 all-time best movies. That's cool. Go Time. And let me tell you a little about the those Academy Awards. They were the 36th Academy Awards. The Best Picture was Tom Jones, which had... 10 nominations when it tied for the most amount of wins with Cleopatra. I think they each got five. Oh, wow. This was the first time a black actor won Best Actor. That was Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. And the category of Best Sound Editing was introduced this year. Post is getting recognized. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag post proud. <laughs> Hashtag. Post don't stop. Mm-hmm. Hashtag post chat. Post chat. All of them. I just did all of them right there. What about fitness and posts? <laughs> oh, I listened to that. I follow Zach on, on the Facebook. I don't want to. I'd feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited to watch this. It's, it's going to be good. Good kickoff to this new year. Yeah. With our final Cary Grant. Oh, thing. goodbye, Cary Grant. Moment of silence. Not really silent. This is a radio show. <laughs> I gotta edit that out. <laughs> no, you don't. That's okay. important. I will keep in slight little dip to silence. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's do this. We're back. We just watched Charade. Charade. <laughs> it's go. not the song, but. I didn't go audition for American Idol or something. Isn't that over? Um, The Voice. <laughs> I didn't take very many notes. But it then it got interesting. I'm glad you found it interesting. This one was really good. Uh, yeah. I feel like I was spoiled a little bit because I've seen the remake and, like, even, I feel like the beat, like, I don't remember the remake at all, but I was watching the beginning of this movie and I'm like, this is really familiar. <laughs> like, a lot of things would happen and you're like, this is really, like, I would know what was gonna happen, but, like, not very clearly until it's happening. Yeah. And then, like, I knew, like, one of the twists and stuff, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen this, kind of. (laughs) No, but it was really good. I think the only thing I really have issue with is I found Audrey's character to be a bit bland. I think because she had been rewritten and rewritten, like, five times. And, I mean, just coming off of Breakfast at Tiffany's, where she was just such a nice, lovely, complex character, this one was just pretty flat. I can see that. That's where, when we talked about it last time, is just, it's the the complex characters who are both, like, need something from each other, and that's how they're drawn to each other, is what I really think makes a a great romance and romantic comedy. I would agree. I'm going to go out on a limb, though, and say this is my second favorite movie that we've watched. Ooh! This is directly under Breakfast at Tiffany's for me. And above... Above... Funky Business? Yeah. Above His Girl Friday, directly, which is directly above Monkey Business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, this is my favorite of the Cary Grant movies that we've watched. I'm not quite certain for me yet. That's okay. I I don't know. I 
Hitchcock, love Hitchcock. I love suspense and psychological thrillers. Mm-hmm. And then what this was, it was basically... It was not Hitchcock. It was not Hitchcock. But it was a pretty much, it was a Hitchcock. It was, it was a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. The opening mm-hmm. was the same. There were some of the same, like, tension shots. And I mean, Cary Grant was in Hitchcock films. Yes. <laughs> yes. He was in um, North by Northwest. Yes. Yes. Which, this reminds me a lot of that. But I think what makes this, like, on par with those the most is because it was almost like a screwball comedy turned into a Hitchcock movie. Mm. Which I don't think has ever really been done before. I can definitely, I like, I like what you said. I like the way you said it. Yeah, it was like goofy and kind of like dorky, but then all of a sudden you would have these very Hitchcockian moments that were just like spurted in, in between the comedy Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I like that you never really knew what was gonna, you never really knew what all the turns were gonna be. Mm -hmm. It was always on your toes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think I'm going to discover my feelings the more we talk about it. Like what you just said, screwball comedy meets Hitchcock suspense. I'm like, yeah, it was. And I like that. <laughs> I, I liked it. it a lot. I even said I want to buy this movie because the Netflix version of this movie, the transfer, is horrible. And I couldn't get over it for like the first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, the interlacing was terrible. It was god awful. That's what happens when you lose your copyright. <laughs> Damn it, Universal. <laughs> so should we start from the start? or Start from the start. Train. Train. Dead body. Body. Duck. Wild, wild 60s opening credits. Colors. Mazes. A swirlies. Pizza. I don't think that existed. Oh, no, arrows. Arrows. <laughs> That's our 50s intro. Or our 60s, 60s. intro. <laughs> we're in the 60s. Now we're at a ski lodge in the Swiss Alps, probably, or something. It was in France. Yeah. It was in, like, the the French Alps. The French Alps. I don't know if that's a thing, but... Some sort of Alps. I don't... Some sort of mountains mm, with snow. snow. Snow and skiing. An indoor swimming pool, which was quite nice. Mmm, a little hot spring action. Yeah, that was nice. There, there were some nice-looking... Nice looking things in the background behind Audrey Hepburn. She had fun. Okay, so she is there with her friend and her friend's son. Oh, her friend Sylvie. Yes, and her friend's uh, her his son is her son is Jean 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 Louis Jean Louis something well, ridiculously French. <laughs> well, they kept her. His mom kept calling her or him Jean Jean Louis Jean Louis. But then. Audrey Hepburn, Reggie, kept calling her, him, kept calling him Jean-Louis. So I'm not sure if there was some... It's French. It's It's a a very French, like, Jean-Louis. Do you know how many Jean-Pierre's are in my family tree? Probably a lot. A lot. You are French. (laughs) Canadian. Do you want to do this? This part you wrote down, so you you can do this this part (laughs) well we are introduced to young little jean louis i'm just gonna call him little little kid um french boy little french boy with he has a gun Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
all of a sudden there's just a gun on the screen and it's like, oh, somebody's gonna die. Yeah, it was a really nice intrigue beginning. Yeah. It's very Hitchcock. <laughs> very Hitchcock. Because then he shoots it mm-hmm. and it's a water gun. And he mm-hmm. shoots her he shoots Audrey Hepburn, who is Regina in the movie, um, in the face <laughs> with her. Very rude. I'm surprised nobody slapped this kid for getting water in the face. In the very freezing cold snowy area well and then she like says some comment she's just like why can't he like go like annoy the the mountain rangers or something oh, along he those said like, go she said go do something productive like start an avalanche yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was really it was a nice like intro to the world and to the the humor mm-hmm but she is sitting um, in her little mountainside ski lodge eating a lot of food. Like, she had a huge-ass salmon. Oh, I didn't even notice. Oh, it was, it was like, right before I had gotten my food, so I was like, <laughs> You're like, what is she eating? <laughs> like, a huge salmon. She was, like, had some, uh, a salad, and then there was, uh, like, a steak on the side, and then she herself was eating, um, I think, like, a roast chicken. Yeah, she eats a lot in this movie. Yes. She is the original Gilmore Girl. There you go. Okay, so she's having some girl talk with her friend Sylvie, and they're walking around the area, and she's saying how she wants a divorce from her husband Charlie, because he's being so secretive, like he's hiding something. Yes, and and they don't love each other anymore. Then, Cary Grant shows up, and he brings along the little French boy and says, does this belong to you? (laughs) (laughs) He asked them both. He's like, he first asks Audrey Hepburn, and uh, he's like... Or she's like, no, it belongs to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> this one. That one. That one. It's like if me and you, if I had offspring, it would be like, <laughs> like if we would, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at me. <laughs> Back to this film. This classic film. 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 Peter. Oh, his name is Peter. Peter Joshua. Or is it? Or is it not? Dun, dun, dun. They're both traveling back to Paris tomorrow. That's what they discuss pretty much. They're like, she's like, I'm going back to Paris tomorrow. And he's like, let's do it, man. Yeah. Convenient. So it was confused. Like, it's this part is confusing to me now that we're kind of revisiting it after, like, going through this whole roller coaster ride mm-hmm. of emotion. Mm-hmm. Was he there to, like, follow her to try and find this stuff? Since I he was- think he was there. I think... He knew possibly they had already kept tabs on where they both were at all times because yeah. they're government and her husband's already dead at this point. So okay. do you think he went out immediately to find out where she was kind of to protect her slash find her right monitor her and also he did a smart thing instead of attacking her like the other guys did like befriend her. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. I, I That's what I thought, and I mean, that's what I... I feel like he's going above and beyond, like, what the Treasury Department does. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, this does not seem like something a government agent would do, but yeah, that's, but that's it, what I figured. If it was, he did it the smart way. Yeah. Well, he's Cary Grant. Of course he's going to do it the smart way. All right. So, where were we? Okay, now we're back in Paris. Paris. Regina arrives back at her apartment, and her apartment is completely empty. Desolate. Oh, yeah. Also, Peter and Regina are, like, flirting, and she's like, 
talking smack to him and then she's like so you call me right (laughs) yeah but i loved the whole the line that carried through out the most of the uh um the movie was um is there a mrs joshua and he he would go yes but we're divorced Mm -hmm. yeah she's like i'm soon to be single you're single hey hey party Okay, so she's in her empty apartment, and then she's like, ah, running around it, and then she runs into a police officer that's in there, and he takes her to the morgue to ID Charles's body. That's the guy from the train tracks in the beginning. because he's dead. He's dead. And then she gets uh, questioned by the police. Because they think she did it. Yeah. Because he is, previously to this train trip, he sold, like, pretty much liquidated all his assets. All his stuff is gone. He had, you know, half a million, quarter million dollars gone missing. Yeah. It wasn't on him. It wasn't in the train. It wasn't in the apartment. Where is this money? It was, like, some um, Maltese Falcon stuff going on here. Yeah. So, well, Charles got tossed from a train and they have whatever bag he had on him, and it's just got a bunch of crap in it. But it also has, like, multiple passports, and Regina had no idea that he was living such multiple identity life, you know? He's suddenly Jason Bourne, you know? Well, she, like, totally was oblivious to anything about him. Like, she didn't know if he well, had any family. He kept his life completely secret. Yeah, but then why would you marry him? For the money, because he's a rich guy. That's what she said. Okay. That, that, I guess, that's better. I missed that part then. Well, it's when she was talking with Sylvie in the beginning, when she's like, I want a divorce, and Sylvie's like, but he's so rich. She's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's why I was just like, well, then, like, that seems like Sylvie's motive would be to, like, stay, or to get married to this guy. She doesn't seem to care about the money, really, so it doesn't make much sense that she would marry this guy without knowing anything about him. Yeah. I don't know, it's the 60s. Plot hole! Well, we just watched a bunch of movies where at the end of the movie they were always like, Let's get married! I've known you for a day! Valid point. Alright, so Regina goes back to her apartment alone. She's got her stuff just packed up. It's the only belongings she had with her. And um, Peter shows up and says, Hey, what's going on? She kind of tells him, and he's like, Okay, let's get you a hotel. So, goes to find her hotel, and then there's a funeral. This is the uh, the best funeral scene <laughs> ever. It was very creepy. Oh, it was awesome. The funeral is empty, except for... Uh, Sylvie and Regina. And a police guy. Oh, and guy. the police guy. And But then these guys show up. First, like, the guy, Mr. Sneezy, he goes up to the casket and, like, sneezes all over it. Yeah, because I think he's trying to, like, make the guy flinch or scare him to, to prove that he's dead. Yeah, and then um, this tall guy shows up who's Tex, and he holds a mirror under his, his, nose. his nose to see if he's still breathing. And then the last guy, Mr. Trenchcoat Hookman, shows up and he sticks the body with a pin. Yeah. <laughs> they all wanted to make sure he's dead. It was violent and awesome at the same time. Yeah, and... Our gal's a little creeped out by these guys being creepy. And then somebody touches her he- or her on the shoulder, and she freaks the fuck out. Yeah, she gets the note from Bartholomew. Yeah, here. now she gets a letter from the American Embassy to show up to see Mr. Bartholomew, who's played by Walter Matthau. Grumpy old man. 
Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson! He says your husband was wanted by the U.S. government. His real name was Charles Voss, and we're the CIA, you know. You need to identify the people in this photo. And she said, oh, these all these people were all at the funeral. And he goes, you're in danger. They need, they're going to want to find all the money that Charles had from this caper that they all did in World War Two. Yeah, they were supposed to take quarter of a million dollars in gold to the or from the Germans, from the Germans. back to the United States. Yeah, it was just these five guys. Yeah, they were tasked with this mission. Yeah. So instead they decide to bury it in France. Yep. And chalk it up to military assets lost. But apparently Charles Charles took it before any of them knew about it. So he's been living the life on that stolen money. Yes. And so they want it back. They want it. All of it. Yeah. So she's in danger. Danger with a capital D. So she phoned to meet Peter. They're hanging out in front of a Punch and Judy show. Little hand puppets with the kids. And he says, oh, that sucks. Let's go cheer you up. And then they go to see some French entertainment. Well, he says, because this I thought was cute. He um, says, why not you make me the vice president of making your day better? Yes! (laughs) That was the cutest line. He's not even the president, he's the vice president. Yeah, I know. Well, and that, like, I think that is kind of accurate because she should be the president and then he should be the vice president. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense, you Mm -hmm. know? So they go to this bar and the entertainment or the floor show is that the entire crowd gets up, or at least the crowd on the that's seated on the floor and not, like, up in the, the balcony areas, to take an orange and an apple and put it under your chin, and then you have to pass it to the person behind you without using your hands. It's like the suck and blow from Clueless. It's exactly like the suck and blow from Clueless. It's also one of those, like crazy like teamwork building yeah. exercises that they do in those weird seminar things. Yep. It's actually really hard to do because when you have it's like the size of a tennis ball. So it's a lot harder because it's smaller. So every time you try to lift up to try and give it to somebody, it rolls. Mm-hmm. So that th- there's a whole comedy bit of <laughs> Cary Grant trying to get this this orange off or from this big chested woman. Ah, this is the best. <laughs> oh, I love Cary Grant. His like his physical humor. Oh, it's still on point. He's the best. He's forever the best and will always be the best. A Cary Grant Award show. We should we should invent those. Yep. If they aren't invented already. Okay. So during this orange tango, one man that Audrey is with that Regina's with is turns out to be the sneezy man and he yeah. like threatens her like she gets into this you know embrace embrace with this guy and then all of a sudden he's like threatening her in her ear and she can't get out of it because he's holding her and she's like where's the money give me the money and she just gets very upset well and she doesn't know like if she is definitely just thrown into this whole thing with, like, unsuspecting. Mm-hmm. And she has no idea. She doesn't understand what her husband has done. I feel like if maybe her character was a little bit more, um, 
the um, Bonnie to Charles's Clyde kind of situation. That could have been a little bit more interesting. But she's not. She's totally... She's an innocent. Yeah. Completely innocent. Has no idea. Yeah. She gets out of that. She runs to a telephone. She's she's phoning Bartholomew. And then the tall man text comes in. He threatens her. He's throwing matches on her. Which was really creepy. It was... This was the part where I felt like Audrey Hepburn was a little bit over the top for me. Um, because blow the fucking match out before he drops it. Yeah, he's holding the match up to her face. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been a very funny, like, comedy bit if she would have... I I understand that they were going with the seriousness of the scene or whatever, but it would have been a very funny comedy bit and maybe would have made her character seem a little bit more strong Mm -hmm. instead of being outsmarted by this big man named Tex. (laughs) Big man named Tex. Big man named Tex. So then, um, Peter comes and kind of shows up next and takes her back to the hotel and, you know, he wants to know, like, the details, really, of, like, what's happening, what's this whole thing with your husband and the money thing. Why are you so scared? Yeah, and then Audrey, you know, flirts with him some, but she does that a lot. Yeah, but I mean, she seems to be the type of person who would use her feminine wiles to, like, get out of a situation or... Well, and also, since it seems like her late husband was very unsatisfactory and she sees Cary Grant, she's like, hello. Take your pants off. I'm widowed now. I am unattached <laughs> to another human being. Um, then, uh, Carrie's like, bye. And then Hookman, Mr. Hooky, is in her room. Yeah, shows up. And she calls out to Peter, and then Peter gets into this tussle with Hookman in the bedroom. We don't see it. And then, like, Audrey comes in. She's like, are you alright? And he's like, what did he say? I sprained my, my shame. Uh, yeah, it was something along the lines pride. of, I've bruised my pride. Yeah. Or I've, I've dislocated my pride. That's what he said. And he's like, where'd he go? And she's like, out the window, I guess. So we follow along with Peter as he jumps from balcony to balcony. And we see the three men in a room together and they're talking and they're talking about Peter. And so he walks in, he's like talking to these guys and he knows them. Yeah. And so we're like, dun, dun, dun! He's part of the plot! Mm-hmm. And so it seems to us that he's on their side, because they're talking about, like, are you getting the money from her? And he's like, I'm working on it. You yeah. Know? He seemed, like, at first he seemed to be, like, a, like, con man that they had hired to try and fool her into giving them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's what I got out of it. So he gets the room next to hers which was texas he's like i'll take the wind i'll take the room next to her to watch her he goes back and says you know he gave me the slip and she's just like oh peter you're the only one i can trust please don't lie to me like my ex-husband and you're like yeah and Hookman calls up oh yeah calls up regina and he's like hey is dial still there and she's like what yeah that's his name and you shouldn't trust him yeah he's after the money too yeah so she doesn't know 
cool. She, she just is like, Wah! Yeah, she definitely gets, like, thrown around a bit <laughs> in this whole situation. Yeah. And then she calls Bartholomew again and says, like, no, Peter's really dial. Da, 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 da. He's part of it, too. And then Bartholomew's like, well, come meet me. Let me tell you about this. So, yeah, um, dial, we're gonna refer to Peter as now as dial. Cary Grant. Cary Grant, who's Peter, who's dial, has set a trap with a string to her door that when she opens it, his key will fall off the mantle. Yeah. And alert him that she's leaving. So she goes, so yeah, she does that. He's following, but she's too smart and tricks him. Yeah, she she tells a cab to go and then hides it behind the, the cab behind it. So when he gets in the cab to follow the other cab, she is actually not in said cab. Right. So he's off chasing this cab that doesn't even have her in it. And so she goes uh, to the market and meets Bartholomew. And he says, Dial is dead. Dial was the guy that was there with them with the gold, but they got ambushed by the Germans, and the Germans shot him, and he's dead. He did. He dead and buried. Charles took all the... That's where he tells her Charles took all the gold. Find out who this Dial guy is. That's what he says to her. Find out who this Dial guy is. You know, keep a track on him. It's better because, like, he trusts you now. You're kind of out of harm's way to just figure out who he is and what he knows. Yeah, and as you said before, women are better spies. Yes. So she follows him and follows him to an American Express where he's going to pick up mail. Yeah, I didn't get this, but I didn't know if this was like a thing. This must have been a thing back yeah. then. Yeah, I guess. So it's clearly that he picks up the, the mail under the name Dial. And so she has the, the PA system call him to a telephone saying that he's got a call. And then she, like, confronts him over the phone. Well, she wants to know the truth. She wants to know... She said, Dial is dead. Who are you? And he goes, I'm Dial's brother. Yeah. He goes, I'm on your side. (gasps) Just, just trust me. But then Mr. Hookman kidnaps Dial and brings him into the the stairway. Yes. But then, like, they wait until the building is closed. Yeah, I think they were, like, he was trying to, gonna steal, I thought he was gonna steal something or try and do something else. Yeah, I didn't really 100% understand. I know there was, like, a security guard in a lock, and I'm like, I guess that the door, that the, they waited till everybody was gone? They just went up to the roof. They were just being courteous about stray bullets. Yep, they're like, we're not gonna attempt to kill each other until this building is empty. No, just cool it. (laughs) They were very generous criminals. Yeah. They're they in were, Paris. They were criminals who practiced a form of gun law. Yeah. Or gun control. <laughs> so, yeah, Hookman leads Dial up to the roof and he threatens him. Where's the money? And then they get into this big tussle. This huge uh, fight scene. Yeah, it's a weird fight scene, though. Yeah. Like, it was very, it was very slapstick. I don't, yeah, I don't know. They were very slapping each other around. But they didn't eat... Cary Grant's character did not want to kill the other character. He probably would have gotten in trouble for it. Probably. But at this point, we don't know that. Right. So... Well, it it seems like they were both trying to push each other off the roof. Yeah. For the most part. But it didn't make any sense as to why, like, Hookman thought this would be a good means to an end or anything like that. 
not sure. It was interesting. I mean, their their fight sequence was pretty good for the like for the amount of movies that we've watched that have had fight sequences in it. This has been a very good fight sequence movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, so eventually Hookman falls off the roof, and we see him dangling by his hook. Yeah, and Cary Grant asks him if he's alright, and then tells him to scrawl something on the side of a building while he's waiting. Yeah. Dial comes back to the apartment to be patched up by Regina, tells her that his first name is Alexander, and... Just like my dog. Yeah. And so, like, he's got this huge scratch on his back, and she's, like, fixing him up, and, you know, he's got to change shirts, and then uh, Regina starts, like, smooching on Alex. <laughs> Which he does not like. He's, well, yeah. He says, you know, you're you're a child or something along those lines, like, you're you're too naive, I think, is what, what he implies. But then he also, or she tells him, she's like, oh, okay, here's the fatherly lecture. <laughs> but then kisses him anyway. Yeah. And, yeah, like we mentioned, it's all, like, advances from her. Yeah. He, he's enjoying it. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's totally, like, into it and accepting it, but he's not going to be the one. Yeah. To, to go after it. Yeah. Which is kind of refreshing. Yeah. Okay. So then Tex calls them up and tells them that they have kidnapped the little French boy. (laughs) How did they know about the little French boy? I don't know. And why, when they go to search the rooms, do they just leave him with her? (laughs) Because at that point, I think they had realized that it was just kind of pointless to kidnap the little French boy because... They were willing to cooperate. Yeah. Because... She really doesn't know yeah, where it is. Nobody knows what's going yeah, on. Nobody knows where it, where it is, and that's the point where they're like, oh. Yeah, so there's no point in doing any real threatening if you're just like, geez, guys, I'd like to find it as much as you. Let's yeah. just work together. Yeah. So they all go and, like, search each other's rooms. Mm-hmm. Because somebody, if, if uh, Charles didn't have it, then somebody must have had it. Yeah. And whoever killed him... You know... Has to have it now. Yeah. If he had it. Yeah, so they, they need to find the killer who's got the goods. Yeah, so um, Cary Grant's character leaves uh, the little boy with Audrey. And um, Hookman and uh, Sneezy... No, it's Sneezy and Tex. Is it Sneezy and Tex? I thought it was Sneezy and Hookman. No, because Hookman's alone. Because oh, wait. Hookman's the one who they all thought was... The double-crosser? The double-crosser. Yeah, never mind. I was getting them confused. So, yeah, the, uh, Sneezy and Tex go to search Cary Grant's room. Or no, go to search Audrey's room. Yep. And then Te- yep. uh, Hookman goes to search Cary Grant's room. Yep. And Cary Grant searches... Tex and... Tex and Sneezy's room, and Audrey searches... No, maybe it's just Sneezy... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, yes, Audrey and the little boy are in Hookman's room. And she says, okay, if you were hiding a treasure, where would you hide? And he said, I would bury it in the garden. Just like that. Because he was but a more French. Yeah. More French. More French than that. So I would bury it in the garden. We. You're offending your French ancestors. I don't know how. The, the garden. <laughs> there we go. That's better. Okay. I give you props for that. Okay. I ju- I ju- <laughs> you know what I really had to do? I'd be like, okay, if I had a cigarette in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> 
with the garden. <laughs> you just have to call upon the ancestors to, to flow through you. Help me, ancestors. <laughs> we have to save China. <laughs> Here's a little dragon. Yes! <laughs> anyway, now that we've established that Justine is Mulan. <laughs> True. Hookman is dead. Yes. He's been drowned in the bath. Mulan killed him. Yeah. <laughs> so then the police... Well, they frame it up. They're like, okay, let's dry him off and put him in bed. Put him in PJs. It's the PJs. Yeah, it's the PJ serial killer. Because Charles is in his pajamas. And now they put him in pajamas and put him back in his bed. And the police interrogates the four, and he's like, how does a guy drown in his bed, huh? And they're like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> that was their exact response. Yeah. So then after all that, Regina and Dial walk along the water discussing, like, who did it? Who did it? Yeah, it was a very nice, like, little reflection period. We had some some French ice cream, Mm -hmm. and some more screwball antics involving said French ice cream. Mm -hmm. It was nice. And then um, they go back because they're going to get ready for dinner, and uh, Dial wants to take a shower, and she keeps on going, no, come come to my room. Take a shower in my bath. Yeah. She she really wanted to, like, she wanted something, something. Or at least a sneaky peek. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) that too yeah so he does he comes in and he showers with all of his clothes on this was my favorite Cary grant scene dude he loved doing this like he did so much improv first he didn't want to do it but then when he was doing it he was so into it he did so much improv like they wanted to do more i would watch a full movie of just that it was so good so like if if you do not watch this movie, or you haven't watched this movie, just and you don't really want to because we're going to ruin it for you, but, like, just watch that one scene. Mm-hmm. It's about halfway through the movie. Um, it, it, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It has some watch humor, some, mm-hmm. <laughs> some great, like, great one-liners mm-hmm. from Cary Grant. Absolutely wonderful. Favorite, favorite scene. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then Bartholomew calls up Regina and says, Dial didn't have a brother. And so she gets all, like, "Ah," wide-eyed again. Yeah, this is after she just, like, shut the door for him in the shower. So he can actual shower. Yeah. So, yeah. Then they go on this little dinner cruise, and he's like, you haven't talked to me in, like, 20 minutes. And she's just like, you're a liar. You're lying all the time. You're just like Charles. Yeah. So then he tells her, okay, really? I am a thief and my name is Adam. (laughs) Well, Adam, I don't remember what the last name was that he gave this for this I stopped writing down last names. (laughs) It was too good. Like, it was pointless as to why he was giving last names at at this point because Dial was important, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, his name was Adam and... He's in it for the money, but... It's a little tough for him. He's like, you notice how I can't keep my hands off of you? And she's just like, aw, yeah. And gives him a big smooch. Oh, yeah. She was totally, like, smitten mm-hmm. after that. Like, she was totally mad and then all of a sudden just completely and utterly smitten. 
Okay, then we cut to a scene where, like, Sneezy gets a phone call, I think, to go meet somebody. Yeah. And so he gets into the elevator, but then the elevator kind of malfunctions, and it goes down into the basement, and when it comes back up, he's all, like... He had his throat slashed. Yeah. Stabby stabbied. Which, again, very Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. You have the lighthearted, like, kind of ease moment, and then all of a sudden, death. Yeah. So Tex calls Dial, and it's just like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> so now Dial thinks that Regina has it, because he's like, well, if it's not this guy, for certain, because he would have bolted with the money. Yeah. It has to, ha- you have to have it, uh, Regina. Yeah. Because this guy's still hanging around, even though all these people are dying off. Yes. And he's like, but I don't. Let's look at the, let's go through the bag again. And then they go through that. And something in that bag, according to Cary Grant, after he's, like, doing, looking for stuff, like, looking through it more, he's like, something has to be worth a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. In this hunk of junk. They don't figure it out. But then Regina goes to work as a translator. Yes. And, um, I still called him Dial Adam. (laughs) His name is Adam now. His name's Adam now. Shows up and is like, listen... This little uh, list of what things were, something is missing, so Tex must have it. It's an agenda. Can you remember what was on the agenda? She's like, well, it was just one appointment, but it was for Thursday. And he's like, well, today's Thursday. Where does he go on Thursdays? And da 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 Oh, the gardens! The garden! Like the little kid said! Mm-hmm. So they go to the gardens, and they see Tex is there, and they're just kind of wandering around, like, what could be the clue? What could be the clue? And, um... There's this big event. Stamp collecting event. Stamp trading. Yes, stamp trading event. We have all these little booths. Yeah, and Tex is the first one to realize it. Yeah. Tex goes through and he's just like, stamps! (laughs) Like, we get super close-ups of stamps. Did we go through what was in the bag? I guess we should kind of... Okay, right. We have not talked about what's in the bag. So, what's in Charles's bag that was found on him when he got... uh, knocked off on the train, uh, was a letter to, um, Audrey Hepburn's character, Regina, telling her that his, or her dentist appointment was on a different day. Mm -hmm. And then, um, there's five passports? Something like that, yeah. Five passports, um, with, for him, in different names and from different, uh, countries. countries. And then there is, um, some tooth powder. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I am assuming is just like toothpaste. Yeah, you yeah. Just use it differently. His toothbrush. His toothbrush. There's his agenda book. His agenda book, and then his wallet that had fourteen hundred francs in it. And then yeah, note that in the beginning when um the police is going through all these items, when he says the letter, he says the letter is stamped but unsealed. <laughs> yeah, so he hasn't sent it yet. Right. Obviously. Right, but that's where we get our first clue. If you're if you're doing a rewatch, you'd be like, oh, it's right there. It's yeah. in his hand. Yeah, that's the first mention of it. So, yeah, the quarter of a million dollars is actually the stamps right. on the letter. So, yeah, Tex figures that out first. He's like, oh, shit, it's in the stamp. Because stamps are can be worth lots of money. And that's a really fucking clever, easy way to hide all yeah, that money. Yeah, because people overlook them. Yes. Because once they're used... They're useless. Mm-hmm. When it wasn't used, it was just stuck. Well, yeah. It wasn't. 
But it, in my opinion, it would have been used. Yeah. He hadn't sent it because otherwise that would have devalued the stamps. Yeah. Okay, but then, um... Cary Grant follows Tex into the, um... Well, then, yeah, Cary Grant figures it out and yeah. runs after them. And gets um, in another cab and leaves Regina behind. Yeah. So, Tex runs to the apartment and Adam chases after there at, um... And the then, hotel. Yeah. Earlier on in the movie, she had promised to give Jean-Louis stamps for right. his stamp collection. Yeah, so when they get to the apartment, Tex is like, oh no, that girl was way too smart. She was on to us. She's already gone with them because they're ripped from the envelope. envelope. And then she, he just like is like crazy. Ugh. Rage. <laughs> Carrie smash. So then we, like, cut to her, and, and she's kind of realized it too late, because she's just, uh, like, oh, God, stamps. So she's got it. She's like, where is it? Where's where's the boy? Where, where are those stamps? Where'd they go? So, yeah, her and Sylvie end up finding him. It's like he's already sold them in exchange for some crap. <laughs> well, he got, like, a shit ton of stamps. He was like, these are... The this old man exchanged like all of these for only three stamps. So um, they go to the guy's booth and they try to find him. He has obviously left because mm-hmm. these stamps are very valuable. They track him down to his shop and talk to him. Yeah, and he says, "I'm not a thief. I know it was a mistake. I just wanted to hold him and look at him. Yeah, because he loves stamps. And he's like, here you go. I- well, and that's like a genuine representation of somebody who absolutely loves something. Like it's not, they don't always have to have them. They just want to see or experience. yeah. And he didn't care how much. He knew they were worth a lot of money, but he knows it's wrong to take that from a little boy. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I knew it was an accident. Yeah. So she pays for the stamps that he traded Jean-Louis for so he that Jean-Louis can keep them and then um, takes the stamps back. But then Tex is dead. Yeah, when she gets back, he's suffocated and yep. tied to her bed and radiator. Yep, it was a weird one. Very weird. He spelled out dial on the floor with his finger. So Cary Grant's the murderer. So she calls up Bartholomew, and she's like, it's, it's, it's Dial, it's this guy, I know he did it, and I've got the stamps, I figured it out, I know, I have the money. Yeah. <laughs> Mistake! <laughs> so he's like, okay, let's meet right now. So she runs, uh, to the subway, and, um, Carrie is following her, there's this great whole subway train Oops. chase where they're, like, separated by cars and stuff, and she's just trying to elude him in the underground. And, um, like, she hides in a phone booth, and she calls up the embassy, because she's underneath in the metro where she's supposed to be above meeting the guy, and she calls up the American embassy and is like, hey, can you tell Bartholomew where I am, you know, and that someone is about to kill me? So the secretary brings up the real Bartholomew. Da-da-da! I haven't figured it out yet, people. People of our podcast. Yeah, nobody is who they say they are. Ever. No one. So there's a little more subway chase, and then, like, they get up to the top, and there's the confrontation between the fake Bartholomew and the fake Dial. (laughs) Who is the real Dial. Dial. And, well, we don't 
know who Cary Grant is yet. He's obviously somebody on the opposite side. We don't know if he's there for selfish reasons or for uh, political reasons or any type of reason whatsoever. Right. But they're both pointing guns at each other with um, Audrey in the middle. Yes. They're both like, come to my side. (laughs) Yeah, they were doing the whole, like, if I was, like, a clone and I was the evil clone and trying yeah. to persuade somebody to believe me. Yeah, like, well, why would I do that? Or da, 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 da. But then, like, pretty much easily, um, Dial, the real Dial, like, pretty much confesses and it was just like, whatever, if I shoot you, da, da, I'll just get the stamps. <laughs> but Carrie says, if you do, mm-hmm. you won't get the stamps because he, she's closer to him. So he'd shoot him. Right. So Carrie sneaks around back and tries to shoot him in the back, but he misses a little bit and, like, tings him off of this. Um, they're hiding behind columns. columns. There's, like, a whole bunch of columns. It's a really cool shot. It's a really cool location. So there's, like, this big, like, back and forth shootout, and they're running and shooting each other. And um, Regina runs into this theater, and then the other guys run into it. But then uh, she's hiding in the little conductor little little stage manager little booth thing yeah yeah and um dial is on top of the stage looking for her and carrie is underneath the stage just looking for him yeah and everybody not really sure where everybody went because he had to go in opposite direction because dial locked the 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 theater door yeah but carrie looks up and he notices the trap doors under the stage so he's like trying to figure out where dial is walking on the stage where he can get him to a trap door and where he can trap him. Trap door him. Mm-hmm. And then Dial figures out where Audrey is. He's standing in front of her. He's pointing the gun. And he says, the game is over. And then Carrie pulls the, the trap, trap door. door. Splats down on the floor. And he died. Well, that's the splat. Yeah. So then that 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 whole thing is over. But then um, Audrey's like, okay, next day or whatever. <laughs> we Let's go. Let's go return this money to the government. Let's do the honorable thing. And and Cary Grant is just like, nah, dude, let's keep it. Yeah. (laughs) But what if we don't? (laughs) He's still playing the the part, the Adam part. Yeah, the thief. So she finds out from a Marine where the Treasury Department is, goes in there, and he doesn't go in with her, which I don't know how this happens. He, she goes into the office of the guy, Crookshanks, and it's Cary Grant. Grant. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, what? <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, it was me all along. I'm working for the government. He, like, mimics her face, too, which yeah, was like, lovely. Ah. It was great. This whole, like, whole ending part was just perfect. I don't care how fast it was. It was perfect. Well, they got it to wrap it up. Well, then- yeah. But it was perfect. Yeah, and he's, she's like, what is your name? Da, 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 da. And he's like, don't worry, we'll write it clearly for you on the marriage license. Yeah, because <laughs> they're obviously getting married. And she's like, marriage license? Oh! The end. Sorry, though, the best joke. Hmm. We have to bring up one of the... Uh, he, or she lists all the names that he had gone by. Right. And she goes, I hope we have enough sons so we can name them all after you. Yeah. I was like, oh, she did it. That was lovely. That was beautiful. Golf clap to you, Audrey. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell. I just want a better transfer of it. Netflix yeah. needs to really fix it. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really good. 
my favorite of all the Cary Grant movies that we've watched, to be honest. Nice. Because it had, like, everything that embodied Cary Grant. It had the humor, it had the physicality, and then it also had the serious side. Mm-hmm. So it was it was nice. It was a, a nice bow to bring in New Year. Oh yeah. <laughs> so any trivia? I think we covered all of our trivia, actually. Yeah, it, there wasn't a whole lot. Like, we talked about how the lines were rewritten, so Audrey would be the p- pursuer, you know, and that's yeah. how... Carrie finally agreed to be in it. Yeah, he did not want to be cast the way... I don't know. I would be very interested to know Cary Grant's opinion of the Hollywood nowadays. Mm. Of the age differences between... We should... Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we should have a a seance. (laughs) And try to talk to Cary Grant. If we get a commenter. (laughs) If somebody comments on our Facebook, iTunes, or Twitter page... Okay. We'll do a seance for Cary Grant and ask what his, what his opinion of the state of Hollywood these days are. Well, yeah. We gotta interact the fans. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Yeah. All right. Rating time. Rate it. I'm going to rate it five Cary Grant characters. <laughs> He ended up playing five to five different people in this movie. He did. <laughs> yeah, he was five different people. That's what I'm doing. That's my rating. Mm-hmm. Your turn. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a uh, four and a half bottles of toothpaste powder. I like it. Oh no, I wanted to give it the same. I gave a uh, breakfast at Tiffany's because. Both I really really liked, and I feel that are gonna grow on me. But right now, I feel just a little unsatisfied yeah well not unsatisfied i'm satisfied but i feel just a little lacking of something like i said her character to me was just a little flat i can see that especially watching it right after breakfast at tiffany's Mm -hmm. because breakfast at tiffany's is the iconic audrey hepburn movie Mm -hmm. so and i've seen it so many times that it doesn't have the same impact on this that i think it would if i had just seen it too you know, I'm just trying to think of, like, Monkey Business, I loved, but kind of has its own place. Although, no, I think I really like, I like Monkey Business more than this. That's all right. Monkey Business was great. Like, and if this were, like, a standalone, if, if this was just a standalone screwball comedy, mm-hmm. I would say Monkey Business is a better movie. But because, the, for me, because this brought so many different genres to the table and something we've never or I've never really seen before with a screwball comedy mixed in with a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. I really like that because it brought some of my favorite things to the table. Yeah. So. Well, I've been watching a lot. I, recently, I watched two Hitchcock movies, so I, I feel like I've got a recent comparison, which I was blown away by a rear window, so. Okay. So. 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 Onward to the finale of this show. Next week... We are watching 1965's Do Not Disturb. So we are skipping two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to be skipping a lot of years in the 60s. So to the listeners, you can listen and download our episodes at thegeekcutaways.com. Please leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, especially if you want us to have a seance with Cary Grant. We really want to do that, so mm-hmm. please get on that. We're also on Facebook and Twitter as at cutaways podcast 
So if you just search that in either platform, you will find us. Yeah, it's literally facebook.com slash cutawayspodcast. Yeah, yeah. And on Twitter. Yeah. Cutaways exactly. podcast. Yeah. We're making it easy. Yeah. For ourselves and for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for today. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. bye.